Welcome, animated fans, to this week's podcast. I'm H.A. Conrad on the East Coast with my intrepid co-host across this great nation, <laughs> Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. Yo, hey. How's it going? It's great. It's great. So great. So great. Um, so we have we have some news items today, uh, but like a lot more than usual, actually. Um, and then we're going to get into um, our review summary of Herd. Um, which is currently on Prime Video. Um, and yeah, so before we get into that, let, let's let's chat about some of the little newsy items we have. Um, a, li- a little bit more on the depressing side this week, Stuart. <laughs> yep, yep. Sometimes that's how it, how it would go. Jeez. Uh, first up is the, uh, the sad passing. Was it actually the day we recorded last week? No, it was actually two weeks ago. But so we're a little late on this. But actor David Emge, who Emge, Emge, do we know how to pronounce his name? He's dead. Uh, He played Flyboy in Dawn of the Dead, 1978. He was a much maligned character, was Flyboy. But the actor who played him, David, lived to the ripe old age of 77. Yep. But really sad. I mean, that's like, you know. Kind of the old guard passing, so that's a, a real bummer. Um, yeah, when you go to um, there's a zombie website, like a blog that I've followed in the past. That all they post now are death announcements of people oh, who were in, in <laughs> Romero films, and so their last like three or four posts were the guy who played Lieutenant uh, the, the the Lieutenant in Day of the Dead. He's dead. Um, you know, George Romero is dead. Oh, David M. G. is dead. It's uh, well, I mean, these movies were made in the 70s. Yeah, it's, um, it's you know, it's just still a bummer. Yeah, it is. A bummer. Um, but anyway, um, so there's that news. And then the other really exciting news about diseases and fungi. <laughs> and they're like, these are like, oh, gosh. Um, but this I mean, these two items these are not, this isn't new. Um, and what we're talking- I, I feel like syphilis is, it's not new, new. People obviously have been dying from syphilis forever. But syphilis is on the rise is new. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, and having resistant stuff isn't new. Um, this has been, I think, and for both of these two items and the other one we're talking about is the, um, basically the sort of resistant and very hard to get rid of uh, candida RS, which is that the fungal infection they're finding in a lot of hospitals. Um, and the people can be carriers pretty easily, but also once it's sort of in a facility, it's really, really hard to get out um, and can be hard to treat. So, um, but both of these things, there were definitely uh, like news articles about them pre-COVID. And I just think that the pandemic took over kind of everything. And also maybe people just didn't want to talk about this or add to it or whatever it was. Um, but no, these these are things that have been sort of there. And now I guess we're noticing them. But the, the on the rise and the resistant piece is really kind of scary. Um, so, yeah. So just take care of yourselves out there, folks. Syphilis <laughs> is up 80 percent in the U.S. since 2018. Yeah. Eight zero percent. Yeah, that's insane. It's a lot uh, of syphilis. Yep, it's a lot. Don't go uh, out like Descartes. And I think, um, and and they think a little bit Van Van, Van Gogh, but still well, that dude. That dude had all kinds of stuff. Just put a, a Jimmy hat on or whatever. Apparently, it's. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's if, not going to save you from the fungus. Sorry. Not the, nothing's going to save you from Candida Auris. That's why I'm like, why even bother talking about Candida Auris? You're everybody's going to get it. It's impossible to uh, to solve or cure or prevent. And uh, it'll kill us all off eventually. But in the meantime, you can stop getting syphilis, I guess, is really my well, silver line. Unless you've got the resistance strain. So anyway, with that happy news, let's talk about something a little bit more cheery which is um, there's been a bit of an update to the 28 years later. So they did indeed shop this around and Sony, um, Sony won the bidding war. Um, and- These are two amazing things you just said. Yeah, Sony has picked up 28 years later and there was a <laughs> bidding war 
over yep. a zombie project. Granted, a high-profile one with Alex Garland and Danny Boyle. And then the third huge piece of news here is that Killian Murphy is on board as an executive producer. And he might act, but they're keeping that under wraps. Oh, he's uh, going to be in it. Come on. I mean, maybe he's just like, uh, I'm tired. I don't know how he's, what his <laughs> he voice might sounds be. like. He's quite humble, and we'll see what he does. It would be a real, I honestly, if he ends up being like a cameo, I would be very sad. But, you know, I'll take what I can get. Um, but, yeah, and, and it looks like, um, you know, it's a multiple film project, as we, we talked about last week. And at least 60 million i think per film was the budget they were saying so that's kind of huge news um that's a low it, budget though right well I, I think that was just sort of an estimate but okay but know, they're I committing think. to 180 million out the out the gate right, right. Yeah. so we'll, we'll see and we'll keep we'll keep uh track of this i'm guessing this given the momentum maybe it gets fast tracked and it seems like there's a lot of interest in it so we'll see um but yeah, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and then you're going to end it on a low note with this next little. Well, bit. this is a question mark. Uh, okay, so I saw last week on Reddit that uh, people are saying Netflix has officially canceled Black Summer. I, however, cannot find an official source. So uh, the Sun in the UK and in Ireland have both come out and said Netflix has canceled the Black Summer, and the fans are going crazy. But those are both shitty newspapers. They do quote a lot of things that they don't have sources for. They That's have true. no. They, they don't even. They don't even have a source back to Netflix. They're just saying reports say. And um, so I've got a link in our show notes that isn't working because Polygon, I think, is down in general. Polygon is an outlet that I actually fairly. I respect what they do. They don't push out, you know, millions of articles, and I think they tend to be well researched. But even in the. Um, summary text that comes up on a search engine it's like there are according to reports netflix has canceled black summer so i know i'm just grasping at straws but until i see an actual source that is like uh, linked to maybe a statement or something i don't know i'll hold out hope i mean apparently john hyams was on twitter last april saying doesn't look like we're gonna get a season three um and this should be no surprise to anyone. But the fact that there is a fair amount of furor and the fact that there are these, um, well, crappy newspapers saying that the fans are really mad at Netflix for this. I don't know. And the fact that there's a bidding war for a zombie movie trilogy. I think there's a there's a room potentially if Netflix's business model isn't completely in the toilet that they could re realize that there's opportunity here still. True. That's my rant. Well, let's let's see what happens. I often see that these these projects, sometimes people hedge their bets because they just want to, like, you know, see if it, if there is any possibility of resuscitation, so to speak. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. I do think that it is a little telling that there doesn't seem to be any solid confirmation, though, because normally people are pretty clear about that. I don't know. So it could just be because the, you know. Yeah, um, it's an older. It's an older thing and nobody cares anymore. It, it could be. It could be. And they might not be in the business of saying what they're canceling, because right. why would they do that when they can say talk about what shows they have coming out? Right. But it's just the fact that there are these weird like there's a website called what's on Netflix dot com. Mm. They're the ones who everybody is pointing to saying it's confirmed, but it's not yeah. like who's their source. They don't even quote anybody. Like, yeah. it's just bad journalism. And also, that kind of pisses me off. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Should we talk about Herd from 2023? Yeah, we can talk about Herd. Don't listen to this if you haven't seen the movie yet, because we spoil it. And there are some pretty cool elements to this plot. So uh, stop now, watch the movie, come back and listen. Conrad, I... how many people in this movie are you, like, associated with somehow? Well, definitely the the one of the leads or the lead, I guess. Um, so Ellen Adair is a friend of uh, Bill's and uh, she's actually a bit. She was in our friend Brad's film Cryptid, um, which is a creature feature. Um, so she's also like a pretty intense Phillies baseball fan. And she gets like you hear on a lot of like commentary, like she does a lot of commentary about baseball all the time. 
diehard Phillies fan. Um, so I, I'll admit I, I wasn't keeping track. So I, when I opened this up, I was like, oh, there's Helen. So <laughs> anyway. This is someone you spent time with. I mean, I don't know her incredibly well, but I, I she's been over here to have dinner. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, she is. Yeah, she's the lead. Um, okay. And uh, this movie was written and directed by Stephen Pierce with, and then writer, an, an additional writer was James Allardyce. I'm assuming that's right. And then the main cast members, Elena Dare, we've covered, plays Jamie Miller. Uh, Mitzi Akaha plays Alex Kanai, her wife. Jeremy Holm plays Big John Gruber. Um, and then Sterling is played by Timothy V. Murphy, trying his best not to let his Irish accent come through. I know, but he slips a little here and there. <laughs> it's not, I mean, the only thing is we've seen this guy do this brogue so many times. So it's hard. It's hard to divorce him from the accent we know is his native accent. All right. And then Corbin Bernson, L.A. Law's finest, uh, shows up as Robert Miller. I, kind of unrecognizable to me as Corbin. I Bernson. will admit until I looked at the cat, the cast, I didn't like immediately recognize him. But, you know, it's really funny. He's in a lot of these kinds of like films. He's these little cameos here and there. So he's in a shocking number of these, some of these little like horror films and things like that. So yeah, just funny. We um, got um, playing Diane is Amanda Fuller. Uh, Louis, Dr. The vet is played by Dana Snyder, who is from uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which I hey, haven't seen in very so many long years. Time. I haven't seen that in so long. I was like, who is Master Shake? He's the Master Shake, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Bernie Newsom is played by Brandon James Ellis. I think this guy does a great job in he this does. Uh, in this film. And then Tater is Jeremy Lawson. And then down the down the way, uh, like there's others. The governor is Matt Walton. There's uh, the boy Andrew is played by a kid named Ronan who does a good job without any dialogue. Just blows a whistle. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the main cast uh, at the most notables um, of those. I think there's a lot of work being done by Ellen, um, by Jane, wait, Elena Dare and Mitzi Akaha. Akaha, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name, and Jeremy Holm. They're kind of the, the trifecta holding this film up. But then Brandon James Ellis as Bernie uh, is just there to stir the pot a lot of the time. Um, I would say Timothy V. Murphy as Sterling doesn't really get to flex his muscles as much as we know he can. I'd agree with that statement. Because he's he's a character actor. He usually plays heavies. Yeah, that's kind of what he's doing here. But they didn't give him they didn't give his faction all that much work to do. No, it's true. And and it wasn't I don't know. I don't sort of the they talk about the faction. They talk about that. Like that whole conflict. I don't think um was as successful as it maybe could have been, but we can talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, so this film came out in 2023. Yeah. And so not not too too long um, in the past. Like, so this is pretty recent. Um, and, you know, um, I think uh, <laughs> Bill and I were, were going to try to go to, they did like, um, they were doing like screenings and stuff in the Philadelphia area and we were going to try to go and unfortunately we missed it um, because the timing didn't work out. But um, so I was aware of this, but I guess I wasn't aware that it was a zombie <laughs> film, which is bad on me, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, this uh, definitely, uh, this was filmed in the director's hometown, I think. Poplar Bluff, Missouri. Yep. Um, and so this, but it, but it kind of starts out not, well, I guess it's there anyway, regardless, but, um, it, it really starts out with, um, the, like a kind of a cold open with what, who is now, I know, Corbin Burnson. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's, you know, in his garage the lighting's pretty pretty intense, and he has like it's it's just like a kind of a like a car garage, right? Like you know, yeah. And we get sort of a, a little bit of background because there's like a like a news casting happening, I think, right? 
or something like that? Or there's like a background thing and people are checking on him. Is it like a walkie talkie? I, I can't he, tell what it was like. A Yeah. So he's trying to make, he's trying to call people on his phone. They're not answering. He's yeah. calling Johnny on the radio on like a CB and, he, and a but he gets Tater instead. We've also yeah. had a overhead shot of something. We know it's a zombie thrashing around in the crops. Yeah. Um, and and uh, this guy, Robert, has been is running in and he's all out of breath and he's grabbing a gun and he's trying to he didn't close the door behind him. I mean, we knew as soon as that happened, what was going to happen. Yeah, right. Totally. Um, and then we get uh, I mean, pretty quickly, we get the first look of of the zombie or the heps as they are calling them in this film. And it's a pretty good like, you know, the, the camera work is good um, in terms of, you know, the the whole scene between the two of them um yeah, in general that. uh H. A., on that topic of cinematography did you did i felt like i was noticing it a lot maybe at the beginning of the film specifically and in shots in this scene and then in the next scene with jamie um they see it seemed like there was like a, an approach of these quick quick edits like really quick cuts here and there um and then longer shots with like some foreground background stuff that seemed pretty pretty good i yep, thought it was I, yeah no i thought it was i thought it was definitely a successful uh tactic and in this place i mean they're in a garage it's kind of dark i really liked how they use sort of like there's these little like kind of work lamp things happening um and so there it was definitely like certain things you were seeing or not seeing and um, so this, this particular confrontation was good. And then we also have, um, a lead in to our main character because she's trying to call him and like the photo pops up on the, on his iPhone. Um, and it's, uh, so, so that was kind of, I, I just liked how that was, I thought that was done very nicely. Um, while he's getting, you know, attacked she's trying to reach him and really mad about it that he's not picking up the phone. And it's that um, family photo is uh, yeah. his home screen on his phone. Interesting. Yeah. I just kind of uh, put that back together again after watching it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he's and got then, a picture of his wife and kid on his phone, but yeah. uh, Jamie calls and then she kind of berates herself. Uh, Cause we cut to her location and she's like, I don't even know why I tried, um, but she's uh, <laughs> kind of frustrated. She's going on a trip. And she's she's stressed out about getting there on time, and she's calling out to Lex or Alex, who is um, brushing her teeth, making tea. I don't know, packing a bag. Kind of, it feels like uh, they're they're at odds from the very beginning of the film. Right, and you get that that tension, um, like. Uh, there's a lot and you get, you know, they, they kind of, there's like definitely a backstory here. Uh, they play with flashbacks a lot in this film. And I think sometimes a little too much. Um, For but, Jamie only though. Yeah, I guess it's so. just her. And we, I think they do an okay job. Um, if anything, later on, they, they have her uh, describe what she's seeing in her flashbacks to her dead dad. And it's like unnecessary because you're like, yeah, you, you don't have to tell me that you can't remember your mom's face. We've had like a few flashbacks with that cool blur effect on her face, which I thought was quite unsettling. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. And they they do one with her kid, too. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I I didn't mind the flashbacks. I just I kind of agree with you. I don't know that they necessarily need to just describe exactly what's happening, because to me, it was kind of obvious. Yeah, it was pretty clear. Maybe they felt like they needed to, and maybe they got that feedback. So, um, but anyway, we have we have uh, our our Jamie and Alex um, basically having a lot of tension, and they're going on this trip, and they make it very obvious that they need to, you know, work on their relationship and their marriage. And so, what better way than to go into a camping situation <laughs> with like, well, yeah. you know. They're, they're, they're forced into it, too, because uh, Jamie's like listening to the radio and they're talking about uh, how there have been outbreaks and they can be really bad. Um, and then Alex gets in the car and Jamie's like, should we even be doing this? And Alex kind of explodes at her like, we pr you promised me we would get to spend some time and work on us. 
It's right. like, well, I guess we have to go out to the zombie apocalypse then. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's it. And the, th- the interesting thing is, it's like, so Alex is pushing for them to do this, but there's a few things that make it Alex doesn't seem to be much of like an outdoorsy person. She's really not into it. And then there's a comment later that she want like they live in the quote unquote city, which do they? Because they don't look really like they live in a city anyway. Well, but yeah, it's it's like the it suburbs. It looks like suburbs. Um, yeah. But anyway, Alex does it. The, the comment is, is that she's more comfortable in the city and that's why they live there. So why would a camping trip be a good idea for, for this? And um, there's at least like a couple moments, which I guess I think has more to do with their relationship than anything else. But Alex is just like always screaming for Jamie. It's just weird. And so I don't know if they're like, I wish that was explained a little bit more. Like just maybe it's just that whatever's going on in the relationship, she's just super insecure and, and scared to be out in the, in the wild outdoors. But I don't know, like, like just to wake up out of a dead sleep, like in, scream for someone seems a little like yeah there's like (laughs) zero to 60 of being completely unhinged by knowing where your spouse is yeah um Um, although i will say they kind of play this off and they address it so it's not even like they don't talk about the fact that that's a little weird um it's really a point of tension between them but um early on i kind of like the way that they did this in a way um early on it does feel like alex is unhinged and is always kind of losing her mind and and yelling at jamie and jamie's just kind of like i'm just trying to have a cigarette i'm fine i'm having a great time Uh, (laughs) let's let's keep going (laughs) she goes and chain smokes behind a tree and honestly i don't really blame her all that much um but they do have like some a couple of peaceful moments in the canoe like you know but then that goes kind of wrong um it doesn't feel very summery and i think that's something to do with the desaturated colors yeah it is very desaturated um and it's like almost dreamlike a little bit um so that's um you you suppose that's that's to make it feel bleak and um like there there are no yeah i don't know like what what the purpose of desaturating that is if it's clearly summertime i kind of thought it was because you you know that we know pretty close like jamie's super like tense and stressed out there's a lot of reasons for that but they're also near home, which she mentions pretty early on. And that's like why she's stressing out. Yeah. I almost felt like the desaturation was almost to make it feel a little bit more like the flashbacks and that she's back in her hometown. And there's a few funny things they do with this. Um, not funny, but I can relate coming from a very small town. Um, but um so I thought that that was maybe a piece of that. And they were trying to sort of have a, a very... Um, a big contrast between their lives, you know, in the quote unquote city and their lives here um, or their experiences here. And they do it later on when they transition back um, into the quote unquote city. Mm. Uh, But that is so, but it is noticeable and it doesn't feel quite like summer. In fact, it feels kind of bleak and very cold. (laughs) Maybe it was when they were filming. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, you know, a counter to the the shots of like fields full of grown wheat or whatever that crop is. Like it's clearly maybe it's maybe it's early fall, but it looks like summer right. based on where the crops are. At least in some of the shots. In other shots the the fields are completely fallow or or um harvested. So maybe it was cold. They're certainly not wearing a lot of short sleeves uh throughout. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so the, the canoeing is, it's like several, it's the days, there's like three days that they show of them canoeing and camping. They're really fast. Like one of the days is like eight seconds long, uh, where it's just like, all right, dip your oar in the, your paddle in the water three times and it's nighttime again. And how they're quote unquote camping. They're just like sleeping. Open they don't even and- have a tent. Yeah. <laughs> like sleeping bags. Just out. The- I wouldn't do that. Well, hell no. Ne- that. Next to a river where oh. predators and all kinds of stuff like to go <laughs> get a drink of water. Yeah. No. Um, maybe Alex does have a reason to wake up screaming in that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's daylight. <laughs> she's she's slept like a baby, uh, but then wakes up and yeah, just like she actually gets kind of hoarse uh, with one of hers. Either way, so uh, there's a lot of screaming. Then there's a big old argument. Um, 
on the boat. Jamie's not a fan of Alex when she like moves her weight on the boat and and kind of freaks out. And then suddenly she's using she's telling all of her inside thoughts uh, outside, which is, you know, may, maybe it's a good idea. It's probably not, though. Uh, they do need to get this out. I, I feel like that's what the movie wants us to think. And it's probably true. That's probably yeah. why they had to do this trip. Yeah, and we already know a little bit about what's going on. We've seen some flashbacks and things, but uh, they lost their child. And um, it's it's a thing that is, they, they're talking about all these other things that's causing tension, but that's the actual thing. In addition, um, definitely um, uh, Jamie's got some childhood trauma. And so that may be leading into this too, but leading into this piece too, but it's definitely about what has been happening to their relationship after the loss of a child. And you see, and you, you know, that makes sense. Like I, I think that that happens to a lot of parents if they lose their, their child and it's, it's a horrible and heartbreaking situation. And it's uh, in this case uh, just intolerable to both of them. And they just, are taking it out on each other or not. They're not, they haven't been talking about it. So we're better to talk about that than in a river <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. And Alex um, does tip the boat over on purpose though, right? She does. She does. And honestly, this did drive me a little crazy because she just goes totally like, she just totally loses it. And in, and this was just completely unnecessary. Well, but I, it, I mean, it's almost justified because Jamie is breaking up with her on a canoe. I don't middle think. of nowhere. So like she's like, let's just not even drag this out. Like we're just delaying the inevitable. These are words that you these are like break glass when you're trying to break up with somebody. But you probably mm -hmm. should do it when you're standing next to your car uh, and you don't have to be <laughs> together for the next several days, which is what they are. Yeah. So in a way, I'm like, Alex, yeah, you probably, you know, sure. Caps capsized the canoe. Uh, you just didn't know that there was a tree branch there with a um pretty yeah. that was pretty gnarly. Um like I agree, but you know what? Sometimes when things like that come to a head, things happen. It's inevitable. And, you know, mm. that's that's kind of how we get to the bottom of the river. I actually thought the effect was pretty good in showing her break the leg, which was um, um, I thought it was some underwater shots that, that made it effective and the sound effect, especially yeah. made it effective. It yeah. was pretty gross. It's a really bad break and it yeah. doesn't, I don't uh, know that it really, um, yeah, it's a really bad break. And the the thing is like, fracture. she's got bone. Pound, yep. Bl lots of blood bone coming out. Her shin is basically cracked in half. Done. Um, but they, like when they first are dragged up on shore they look over and see all their stuff floating down river um but jamie's like we got to get you to a hospital let's you know let's move uh and their first shot of them kind of like getting off the beach it kind of looks like alex is putting weight on that leg mm. um, but well, then quickly they transition to like a really weird awkward uh shuffle shuffle along but, you know, look, anytime somebody's this badly injured and she's really badly injured, like she's losing blood. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I would say this kind of an injury. I don't know if she's going anywhere because she'll probably be in complete shock. Right. I mean, adrenaline possibly will help you get there. And, you know, Jamie's got to like bring along, bring along, hop along Cassidy there for a bit. Um. I don't, it is terrifying though, because there is no option to leave her because they're in the middle of nowhere. Um, so, but again, they, they do shockingly find a road and we don't know how long they've been shuffling about, but they find a road and sort of civilization. At least they see a, like a camper van thing on it. And um, it's pretty rough going though. Like, so I thought that they played this well enough that this is just, I, I don't know that they were going to make it far beyond where we are, we see them now because they're just in bad shape, very bad shape, yeah. and no water because everything got taken away. Yeah, yeah. They all they have is her uh, orange whistle. Yep. And probably her cigarettes, yeah. which she uses. They do have her cigarettes, but when the I mean, my thing is that when the cigarettes have been trashed, I don't know. They probably would have been crushed, but she did have them in a baggie. So oh, true. Going it for was it. like a yeah. Anyway, so the um, uh, first thing they they see is. 
a, an RV and they're like, oh, let's get to that car. And she starts blowing her whistle. And then she looks to her left because they're at a crossroads and there's a zombie I don't know, like 100 feet away. Uh, but it's clearly if this is a person, this person is in as bad shape as they are because he, he's like walking bent over. He's going back and forth on the road. Actually, he's walking kind of like they are, which makes I thought that this was a very nice way to play it um, because oh, yeah. because this is why Tater Tater makes uh, his assumption. Yeah. Um, but, you know, look, they've been in the middle. Of, they've been like wandering around in the wilderness there. They need to get to a hospital. I think that the the hep is far enough away that they're not going to necessarily. And of course, they haven't encountered this before. All they know is that there's like effect, infections running around. So he's enough in the distance that I don't think that they know that something's really wrong until he starts to like kind of really start to careen towards them. And even then, it's still a little bit shocking because then they see the the car with Tater going down the road, and and Tater takes out the hat pretty quickly. Um, and yeah. of course, they are both like totally shocked. And yeah, uh, Jamie and Alex are just like, "Where are we?" And let's get you know, and especially Jamie. Jamie's just like, "We gotta go," and she's like dragging Alex along. I mean, just down this dirt road of horribleness so when you think back and and we're gonna be getting to the end of this movie and there's like a i guess it's yeah it's kind of a twist it's a moral and when you think about these early scenes and their her their reactions to watching tater having a sh shot this guy in the head with a shotgun this hep this zombie in quotes um they're they're like justifiably you know freaking out they're like that guy's a murderer he also he did shoot at them because he thinks right. that there's zombies too uh, but by the time John, Big John shows up, uh, there's a little bit of a showdown. Uh, right. Big John shows up, although he apparently him and Bernie were just there and nobody had seen that. Like they just hadn't seen them, hadn't heard the whistle, hadn't reacted. Yeah. Uh, you know, like their their shock is kind of. It's like, I don't know, I'm trying to say it without just saying what the end of the movie is, but in the, at the same time. Like these zombies are all curable, I guess, is kind of the the mo the moral. The one of the things that this movie is trying to tell you is like you don't necessarily have to kill them just because they look like zombies. So they're justified. They're like correct in their response. And it's almost like the last time that that response happens for the rest of the movie until the very end. It's kind of interesting. Right. Well, I mean, and I also think that this is a little bit of a commentary because we have heard a little bit of what you know, the public statements have been, I mean, I think that there's to me obvious parallels that they're trying to draw with COVID and some other things and vaccines and things like that. And uh, you've got the population of, um, or at least part of the population of Jamie's hometown, not believing some of these things. And this is what they continue to say. Oh, we can't believe what the government is saying about these infections. Um, but on the other hand, these infections are also spreading very quickly and they're not getting help. Um, so there is that piece, too. But you've got, you know, Jamie and Alex coming in and there's definitely a few comments about the fact that they live in the city, um, especially by Bernie. Bernie's like, oh, I can always, t you know, spot a city slicker or whatever um, he specifically says to Alex. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a little bit of sort of like. There, there's a lot of things going on here and a lot of conflict between sort of like the small rural American town and big government and all that kind of thing. And so I think that that was actually kind of nicely done. Um, I, I agree. This part, this is the nut of the story that I think is the best part of this film. Yeah. Um, somewhat undermined by some of the reliance on monologues and these like uh, very emotional scenes between some of the characters yeah, I think we're weaker than the the conceit. Like the a lot of the stuff that the governor is doing on TV and on the radio um, ha is like subtly underplaying, or like it's a real subtle way to to get the main point of the story across, which is a cool way to do it. Um, but yeah, so in 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 the scene here where where they're having an now a standoff and they're saying this man is a murderer he just shot a guy and this is and then we meet big john and we meet bernie and bernie comes out of the camper and is like oh it's if it isn't jamie uh we went to junior high together do you remember mm -hmm. me 
and uh, Big John is placating and trying to de-escalate. De and Bernie also doesn't seem like a dangerous person in this scene. No, and I mean, and this is, I mean, this, I honestly, and and uh, I really, again, because I can relate, um, but this is exactly what it's like if you go back to your small hometown that you grew up in, mm -hmm. into people that because of the size of the community, you know people really well, even if you don't really, really know them. Um, of course, and Jamie doesn't appear to know who the hell uh, Bernie does, is. Well, does she or doesn't she? Like, maybe she's just trying to play cool. Yeah. And we kind of figure out maybe why she is a little bit later. But, um, you know, I thought that this was this was just such a like, I loved that particular comment and that that little dialogue between those two. And also Alex's sort of raised eyebrows and just being like, oh, haha, you know, this is because Alex has not had this particular experience. So. Um, there's also an immediate mention of Jamie's dad, um, yep. by, by Big John and, and by Bernie and her reaction is really, you could definitely tell what's happening. I mean, we already know that there's baggage there, but, um, it, it, she's just very quiet. Like, oh, you know, my dad. And so there, I liked, I liked how this whole thing played out and it's really the way they went from sort of this immediate weird crisis situation and then like Jamie Jamie and Alex have watched them kill somebody and mm -hmm. and Alex still has a compound fracture and they're like all right well we're gonna get you fixed up and they're swept uh, up into this chain of events but, uh, yeah. but you can't go to the hospital because it's overrun and right. one has to think what would have happened had they actually gone there that's a good um, point and we instead, never get to see, we never get to see that hospital. I mean, no. maybe we do. Maybe that's the hospital at the end of the film. Might but... be, but they but they go to the um they go to the vet's office and trying to treat a compound fracture in the vet's office. And I just the viewpoint that they are pushing with the with Big John and Bernie and and but also hearing from the vet who thinks like I really loved how this played out, especially when you get to the end of the movie and the twist, because the the vet's reactions to all of this are very, you know, he's just like, you are all crazy. Yeah, don't <laughs> get not... sucked into their whatever these yeah, guys yeah, are into. Yeah, so I thought that that was just of great uh, and great scenes in general, like trying to treat her leg while they're talking about all this other stuff that they're doing. Big John and Bernie are like, taking supplies and, and doing all these like, I don't know, like runs for, for rations and all sorts of things. And you could definitely tell like Jamie is just like, what is happening here? And Oh, I cannot believe I'm back here. And in the back burner, she's also got the, the issues and the, the concern about the confrontation with her dad. Um, and then we see a little bit more about how this is all playing out um, with uh, the, we get a little bit more of an up close view of the infected people. And um, there's also the governor's on the TV in Louis's yep. house slash vet's office talking about, um, you know, just leave the infected people alone. They are going through physical and medical trauma. They're docile. Just leave them be. And in this part, you're like, that's you know that can't be right these are zombies as an audience member um well and they play i mean again i thought it was very clever because they play this so well because they kind of go all like it is your sort of i don't know at least for me filling in the blanks if you especially if you watch zombie films and you think what you know is supposed to happen right and so you're trying to fill that in and that pattern in and they they imply certain things, but it's the audience that's kind of filling in the narrative here. Yeah. And then when you look at it in retrospect, you're like, oh, well, that's actually not what was oh, happening. Oh, damn. I, I was, so, yeah, I'm basically with Big John on this. Uh, then that, but then that Hep does come in. He, like, hugs the TV weirdly and then drops it. And then he's, like, looking for uh, Jamie. Jamie's been trying to make a phone call and, like, distracts the zombie, runs away gets Alex, gets a scalpel, the hep seems to hesitate before approaching her when she's holding the scalpel out at it. And then when she swipes it with the scalpel, I think she connects with him. It like reels away, but it's screaming and it's chasing her. And there's actually a real phone that she's using, like a landline. Yeah, like a landline, yeah. 
Uh, true. Um, but outside, Louis has been haranguing Big John and, and Bernie for taking all of his medical supplies. Uh, so they're all outside when uh, Jamie and Alex get out there. And uh, and then there's three zombies and there's a bit of a, yeah, I guess they kill all three of them, but not before. Louis is scratched on the neck and uh, Alex is scratched on the arm um, and she's now covered in blood and they're just in the back of the pickup truck. Uh, but then I they also uh, go ahead. we also talk about the fact that they the the heps or the zombies. Yeah, they were roaming around and doing stuff. But then at one point, their heads are just against the wall like they're not bothering them. Yeah, it's really what Bernie is doing that sets them off. Yeah, he shoots. Um, it. Yeah, he shoots his rifle at them. Right. But then, yeah, then they do attack. But it's yeah, I don't know. Like, we don't get to see most of what happens here. I feel like two of the zombies are, are killed uh, by by I guess John or Bernie off off screen, uh, and then the third one is looming over Alex and Jamie and uh, gets shot by Big John too. Uh, Louis has run back inside and tries to like just be like, "Get out of here, you crazy people! What the hell?" Uh, you know, of course the hep scratched me, but he doesn't seem that concerned. Also, no. And then they're like, "Take it like a man," and what they mean is that they want to kill him, which is like, "Oh, that doesn't seem great." Um, and then we also know, I thought that this was like really fantastic because he's talking about the scratch, what that means. He locks himself in, um, though he does make a very odd decision to come out to deal with the militia people, which feels like he'd be a little too smart to do that later. He does that. But um, yeah. but we here, get here comes. Uh, what's his name? Timothy Murphy as Sterling. Yeah, but we do. I mean, we see that Alex is scratched and they reveal yeah. what that means in a in a good way. Like, so it's a really quick thing. Um, and she's, you know, Jamie is very swiftly like covering up that mark. She was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to like kill Alex. (laughs) So I thought that that was, again, well done. Um, And to me, plausible because we don't see exactly what the heps are doing, like, but they are over the truck bed. So they could have grabbed Alex and they were trying to grab Jamie. So that was unlike certain things like it's it makes sense that she got scratched. I thought they were going to make a little bit more of the fact that, you know, when they shot the hep that was over her that all the blood was on her and she's got like this crazy wound on her leg but um but it really was the scratch i guess that they were worried about um but you know they're off to to see the wizard so to speak and then we see poor 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 louis in the end with the with sterling and his slipping accent Sterling has, uh, I guess he's the militia, uh, like the more organized version of the militia than Big John's, which is just a bunch of rednecks. Mm-hmm. And he even refers to Big John's people as those rednecks. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel sorry for them following Big John around. But like in the grand scheme of this plot, Sterling is way worse uh, slash just as bad as Big yeah, John. Totally. Like also clearly operating outside of the law but has has access to all this like gear um and also very is, slick, is, very slick black clothing yeah all wearing black clothing unfortunately they only have one humvee and then they're otherwise riding around in white pickup trucks or white sedans which doesn't really work with the whole uh vibe but um and he just shoots louis like yeah louis louis just kind of giving him a piece of his mind like you idiots keep messing with me you're taking all my stuff you've stolen stuff and then he gets shot in the head for his troubles. So mm. that's just another murder in the books. Uh, you know, it's just bananas. Uh, we cut to uh, daylight as the um, pickup truck with Big John and, and Alex, Jamie, Bernie is arriving at her dad's old uh, motor shop. Nobody's really talking about they're talking about Robert generally, um, but nobody's mentioned what has happened to him. And I f- feel like this is kind of. I mean, it's good, but it's also a little bit like, uh, why would you wait this long? You guys have been together now like 12 hours plus and you haven't let her know. Well, Big John is giving her some looks. But it's like, we need to have a chat. It's it's like, that's about the extent of it. Well, you know, they got to they got to play it out, I suppose. Um, And that helps us lead up to their. Um, to the moment because she has a lot of we've been having a lot of flashbacks of Corbin yeah. Burson like being angry at her throwing her out of the house saying a lot of really abusive things um, and I think it was pretty easy to figure out that he was very upset that she was gay um, but um, that's you know sort of the lead up and her dread at seeing him again 
Um, although it's interesting because she did call him. So yeah. she did call him before all of this. And so this isn't like she was just sort of like, maybe she was calling him because they were going to be near her hometown um, and she's in a bad way. But it feels even as like, that was the one piece I was like, oh, would like, would she have done that? Was she trying to like get closure or whatever? Because it, yeah, it is an interesting question. Why was she calling him? Because yeah. it doesn't feel like they were on speaking terms at all. Right. Um, but in any case, that I feel like the, having the lead up to when she actually finds out the news that um, he's he's dead is. Um, Even really- when she's in the room with his body, it's not immediately yeah. clear to me that he's dead. Like it takes John so long to get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he was in rough shape when I found him. La la la. He talks for like another two minutes and then he eventually could do the thing I couldn't like. You're like, that guy's dead? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, and then, you know, we can talk about what all that means when we get to the end of this, which is like, it, you know, so there's that too, but... Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, he shot himself when he was just so, infected. Yeah, yeah, and so, but, you know, I, like, I kind of feel like they felt like they needed to have this scene with the, the monologue and... um but I feel like some of this didn't need to be said out loud. I think all of this was pretty obvious. So, um, but, yeah. you know. I mean, it, it helps it, a little bit with Jamie because Jamie has been so stoic. Yeah. Like and when so she that, finally loses it on on her dad, some of that does need to be said out loud. But I think about half of it doesn't. Right. And um, but it is it is a kind of like interesting thing because it's like she's been building up this confrontation or thinking she's going to see him. Yeah. And suddenly she doesn't even get to have that satisfaction. And so you definitely feel that frustration um, because you like maybe there needed to be some kind of like um, like, OK, so I'm going to I'm going to get this resolved and resolution and she doesn't even get that. And it's really just, you know. Um, so I thought that was that frustration is palpable. So I thought that was good. But we've also had the scene with Diane showing them around and getting into their little like tent or like their blanket cubby where they're going to sleep. Uh, Jamie has described her and Alex as roommates based on a presumption by Diane. And they tried to uh, speak to Andrew, Diane's young child, maybe eight, nine years old. Uh, Alex smiles at him and goes, hey there, or something. She is covered in blood. Yeah. And then when Andrew runs away, Diane says something like, oh, he's too shy or like something like, I'm like, no, maybe. I mean, they don't, nobody even acknowledges the fact that Alex is covered in blood, except that Diane's like, I'll see about getting you a new shirt. But nobody's like, oh, maybe that's why the kid doesn't want to talk to strangers who are covered in blood. I don't know. Yeah, could be because she looks pretty rough and it's not even like it's not like a few drops of blood, like half her shirt is covered with it. It's her whole shirt. Yeah. So uh, I don't care how friendly she's been, but he is a pretty shy and jumpy kid. So let's there's that, too. Also, in the scene with the big John and the eulogy or whatever it is to Robert's corpse, Mm -hmm. he says to Jamie, your dad told me about your condition and what he said to you. And I told him that he was wrong and you should always just tell people that you love them when you have a chance to. And he like, you know, smiles and that suddenly Big John seems like super chill. He might be very ignorant and misinformed, but all of a sudden it's clear that he's also not the worst of the people that necessarily that are in the uh, in this compound. Mm. So I don't know how, uh, how I mean, obviously, I think even throughout Big John is always kind of the mediator he's he's never uh, advocating violence well i mean that's what's so clever about this whole thing yeah. is because you you know bernie and john seem pretty likable tater doesn't seem he just sort of is following along with what they're doing yeah um and we're also you know like we're gathering what john is saying what big john is saying to to um um to Alex and um, to Jamie, like we're as an audience, like oh well, he's he's definitely tell them what like I guess what he's saying is accurate, but he really is an unreliable narrator because he's just yeah. telling them you know the sort sort of story that they're doing. They've created this, these militias. They have this whole community. Um, they're you know 
struggling to get resources and all this other stuff. And he seems reasonable. I mean, he gives the whole speech at dinner for this community. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, they're, he's like pulling them together. I guess this makes sense. Um, and you even have Bernie being like, oh, you know, here are the sandwiches. And they have like this little like folk music thing going on. Um, and it's very, you know, not like it's like, oh, in this in this really hard time, this community seems to be pulling together. Right. Um, and the end of this just kind of turns all of that on its head. Um, so that was kind of I thought that was really great. And then there's another moment in here which um, I, like really struck me as very strange and weird. And then um, and and also, again, I think playing on, you know, the zombie movie sensibility and tropes and really twisting it. And I was just really laughing about it after I finished watching the movie. Um, but um, it's when, you know, the whole militia is going to attack and they're all like on alert. Mm-hmm. And you've got Bernie you know, kind of fighting a little bit with Big John and being like, your best guns have to be down here and everything's all set up and all the all the entrances are guarded. And what he means is that that little kid is one of the people guarding. Yeah, um, he's, he's given his guard position to right. Andrew and given him a gun. And right. nobody is giving, nobody's saying anything about this. Right. And, but... Like, say we're watching Walking Dead and you've got Judith out there brandishing a machete, right? Like, this is a trope that they use in a lot of zombie films. So this, I thought, was so great because it is very weird. And it is like, no, that's completely wrong that this little kid is being, like, given a gun to to watch this door. And I just thought it was played really well. <laughs> so, and how, how kind of you're you think it's going to go one way um, after, you know, all hell breaks loose, um, but it goes an entirely different way. Yeah, like, I, I, I have I have a real bone to pick with this whole uh, action sequence. Mm-hmm. Not only the Bernie, I mean, the Bernie thing, that's that's deliberate. That's like uh, he's he's countermanding or, or challenging Big John and then saying things like, you don't trust me and I'm here and I need to be here. And Big John eventually is like, Oh, fine. Uh, but uh, b- besides the Bernie thing, the militia Sterling's approach here, he comes at night, he gives up his uh, his surprise. They let him inside the outer wall and then he tries to come in through two doors. Uh, he's standing in front of five guys with guns, but still manages to escape unharmed. Um, all of his guys get killed who go into the cha- uh, into the compound. And um, none of the none of the rednecks do. And it's like it doesn't make any sense to me that their like action choreography went the way it did here. I guess that's my main problem. I don't like the action, which is maybe not as important as story. But it does bother me that all these guys with their tactical gear are just mown down by these other dudes with rifles and that it was a bad plan in the first place. Like Sterling clearly has no idea what he's doing. But also, they shouldn't have been able to just kill all of them so easily. And like, because some of them come in the back door and you only see one of those guys get killed by Diane. And they're also fully tricked out. Right. That's what I mean. Like they've got they've got fully automatic, (laughs) fully automatic, you know, rifles. They are they can do way more damage faster than any of the hunters or people who are, you know, inside this warehouse. But uh, it's just to me, it like goes one sidedly uh, badly for the militia guys. And I feel like that's probably not how that would have gone. But that aside, the stuff with Andrew, the little kid and then his mom (laughs) is super messed up. Like in rapid succession, you've got uh, Tater challenging Andrew and being like, what's the matter with you? You let him get right past you? He didn't do anything? First of all, Tater was not in the room. He doesn't know what happened. Right. Uh, he was in the front with uh, with all the good guns. So that was just like a strange line to deliver. Uh, the fact that anybody would have let Tater talk to a child this way, it, like his mom is there. Of course, she's not feeling well. Like, well, she- I didn't. I didn't like that at all. And then she, yeah, basically that whole thing gets inter- interrupted by Diane coughing and being found out to be 
infected, taken ten feet away from Andrew and shot dead. I, I mean, was it? It wasn't John's first idea, but he clearly let it happen. And yeah. this, this just sequence of events here, combat choreography notwithstanding, is just bananas. And um, it is. And and but I did, you know, I did like how you think John, Big John, is going to actually be somewhat of the voice of reason, and then he is not at all. Um, well, he just so. goes. He yeah, he's basically too easily swayed by Bernie's mm -hmm. uh, Bernie's stuff, and and Tater is cheerleading Bernie. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't hold. He doesn't hold the line. Like he could just kick her out, but and the fact that they just do it five ten feet away from Andrew, I think, is uh, the most absurd. Like they barely even closed the door before shooting her. I know. Uh, it's wild. And um, Alex is starting to show symptoms uh, during around this time, too. And this is when Jamie is like, we got to get out of here. Like, you are going to you're going to get killed. So we need to leave. Uh, and so there's a few scenes. Nothing too significant happens here, except that Bernie is starting to be shown in a much more sinister light when they're hiding in the in the lunch area. And he comes out and he's like, I can't see you, but I I know you're there. And he's just talking to like. The spirits you know. of his dead homies or something. Yep. That <laughs> um, he's much more sinister all of a sudden. Like, gone is that, oh, you were the best looking girl on the soccer team in junior high. That guy's gone. And he's been yep. replaced by someone who talks about murdering people and feeling the tingle. Uh, the, yeah, that was great. Then we get into the the, the sort of trials and tribulations to try to get out to get Alex out of town. Right. Right. And. And the thing is, is that in a normal zombie film, you're like, well, you know, she's done for. Um, gotta, like, you should choose <laughs> yeah, to cut bait, die, Jamie. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, you know, she's coughing all over the place. She's just a mess. Um, and, you know, they're. They're really and, and Alex, sorry, Alex is sort of like. You know, I you know I gotta get to the hospital, and Jamie's just like, yeah, we gotta get to the hospital still. And this is like kind of been the the goal from the get go, but now Jamie's like, we need to also get out of this town from get away from these people. Yeah, it's kind of funny because she is mostly scared that they're gonna shoot Alex, but right. has somehow reset her brain back to thinking that there is still a society and a hospital that can help her. Which right. I'm I'm watching this stuff go on, and I'm just like, what are you? What are you crazy? Like there's nothing in this town. You're gonna get out of your broken down RV in this town and bang on windows and yell for help. You're gonna get eaten, woman. This is a zombie movie. Don't you know what kind of movie you're in? Right. Um, uh, and yeah. then that leads to like you know the 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 betrayal with the whistle. The whistle we knew was gonna come into play in this kind of bizarre, bizarre <laughs> way. Poor uh, Andrew. I mean, he's just been he's been raised wrong. And traumatized and but he's that. given this he's given the line be the boy you want to be you don't have to be who they want <laughs> you to be and he's like i want to blow a whistle and he does um and then it, it goes to the showdown between the two militia um and i will say i gotta i gotta say just no way jamie survives this and no way alex probably no. survives this um but uh, well alex does at least catch one bullet but this is like the worst shootout again i think the combat choreography is a weak a, a very weak spot in this entire yeah. film. Um, yeah, the only some of the only good choreography is when Tater was shooting that one zombie on the road and like got up next to it, and they had the the what are those things called squibs go off. Mm -hmm. But when they're just like all lined up, um, Timothy Murphy <laughs> just like makes a wry smile and then starts starts a shootout. It's just like let the guy let the guy talk more. Let him let him uh, twirl his mustache a little more. He doesn't get to do enough because then they just start a. He makes a signal and all of his little dudes turn on their helmet flashlights at the same time and then start to yeah. attack. I thought that that was maybe not purposefully hilarious, but it was definitely funny. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this the shootout starts. Big John has been trying to talk everybody down, his own people mostly, uh, but eventually it's just like look. Uh, he he drags Jamie out of uh, the line of fire. She drags Alex out of the line of fire. He's like, can you carry her? Um, And I guess uh, Jamie says yes. And I'm pretty sure that wasn't her 
that the first shot from the back didn't look like her. Uh, but he like draws their fire and and they run off into an alley. Uh, it's, yeah. a bad sh- it's a bad shootout scene though. It's like there there's just no believability to any of it. Nobody's get, get nobody's even getting shot. You see Big John shoot one guy. Right, and then there's a, like the whole thing where Big John's like, "Come and get behind me, Jamie. Come on, get behind me." And she's like, "Yeah, but they want to kill Alex, so I don't want to get behind you, and I don't want to leave Alex." Yeah, and you know, so there's that that there was that whole tension, and I think I think especially given some of the editing earlier in the film, this could have been edited a little bit more quickly, which I think would have been made made it more convincing, because um, that's what it it felt just very I don't want to say slow, but just sort of you know if you've got people sort of like facing each other on the street, I think that could have been just a little bit more quickly cut together. Right. Mm. Um, to make it feel a little bit more, I don't know, like it more believable, I guess. Um, but, but ultimately Jamie and Alex end up in the, in, in an alley and Alex is really uh, not doing so well. Oh, she's, she's been shot. shot. She's coughing. She's has this thing and, you know, and, and Jamie is now like, Oh gosh, you know, finally I'm, you know, back to myself i've closed i've had closure with my dad we're in the middle of this zombie thing and you can't leave me and like and there's the again like it sort of like turns like the, there's all these things the rules about like zombie movies and jamie breaks every single one of those rules <laughs> like she's got alex she starts screaming for help and sees all the infected um and then this is where it really starts to turn because yeah they're all walking down the street and they are saying help. It, it becomes clear that that's what they are saying. And they don't it's even not help it. they just have Southern accents. Right. And, hep. and they're also, they're kind of looking at her, but they're like ignoring her, even though she's making all this noise. Yeah. Um, and so that was like really just so interesting. Um, and then we see it, you know, suddenly cuts to the hospital, right? Uh, well, there's yeah, there's like a helicopter spotlight right. on on Jamie, but yeah, like improbably, suddenly the National Guard show up during this shootout. Also, improbably, if these infected folks are just looking for help, why are they right. walking toward a gunfight? I guess would be a question. Well, maybe they're but just really sick and they don't know any better. You maybe. really needed that scene though of suddenly you hear them all just going hip hip. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the, you know the the ones who they have made up really well have really good makeup this is this is pretty good but yeah then uh, she it's been uh, good actually try. there's an interstitial scene here of a guy covering up two bodies watching the governor talking about how they've gone through the worst of it it was pretty touch and go there for a while but um you know we're out of the situation and this shows me what we can do as americans as a nation and the guy kills himself because i think he's murdered his wife and son now realizing that they were curable um, was it supposed to be big john am i wrong no, it was not Big John. Oh, okay. was just, that was a, a character we didn't we hadn't seen before. Oh, okay. I think he's he's credited as Morning Man. Uh, okay, and then and then we get to the hospital, and then we have uh, the doctor talking, um, like talking about, and we learn that Alex is still alive, and he's talking to Jamie, and then he, you know, is going through all of her injuries, and Jamie's just like, well, you know, she's infected. He's like, yeah, we saw it, but. It didn't it wasn't that far gone and we treated her and she's going to be OK. Yeah, that that was a funny exchange because she's like so concerned about telling him that she's infected and she's like, we're going to leave. It's fine. And you see his face like, listen, I know you've been out in the boonies in the wilderness. And like and there is also like there's like pity. There's also like, yeah. oh, my gosh, I can't believe that this is. Uh, oh, poor, sweet summer child. She's yeah. fine. We got we yeah. took care of that. We're more worried about the gunshot wound. Yeah. Uh, that was um, I thought that was a good way to uh, just underline. It, it does kind of just, yeah, like the end of this movie makes you cast your memory back over the whole thing. And you're just like, oh, my God, there's so many people were killed. And so many people killed themselves yeah. um, and just just out of this thing that could have been treated. Um, and so that was like, again, I thought that was really successful. Um I will also admit I didn't necessarily see it coming. Um, so this was like kind of an interesting twist that I really liked. I thought that that was fun. Um, this, it was it's novel. And I think that's why it's got a lot of, well, not a lot of uh, big names have reviewed this, but Rotten Tomatoes, it was like 80% um, yeah. well, positive. Yeah. 
yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, uh, the final final scenes are of Jamie and Alex back at home talking about their future together. Basically, like they're they're cool. We've right, also but, had a scene in the hospital with where she overhears but, Bernie and Tater who are there and they're completely unapologetic, completely uh, they did wish they'd come out even harder. Yeah. And they're also they also are getting out of charges because they're blaming Big John for everything they did. Yeah. Big John's like has and, shot himself in the head and or uh, been shot in the shootout, has, maybe, maybe. Um, and so they're just kind of like, you know, she's kind of overhearing them and it's just not uh, she's just kind of like, oh, my gosh. And then um, she and Alex go back home and. I do have to say, how is Alex going to make, she says she's going to make tea. How's she going to do that in the wheelchair? She's like. Maybe their make... their kitchen is super ADA accessible. We'll Negotiating the, the, the furniture. But anyway, um, that was, um, that was, you know, again, it's not your normal. It, it is somewhat of a happy ending, except, you know, lots of people are dead. Um, but at least it's sort of a happy ending for, for Alex and Jamie. Um, and then we tie it all back in together with her pulling a photo down. And it's like, you know, we get to see the photo of her and her dad and her mom and then her and, and Alex. So, I, you know, I, I did enjoy watching this. Um, I... Definitely, there's there's certain things that that you and I think agree on in terms of you know the success of certain scenes or not. But I but I overall I really liked this and I really loved the twist. Um, I really loved how this played upon people's expectations and that your expectations were kind of wrong. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that was fun. Yeah. No. I this this was fresh. Um, so I I rather enjoyed it. I have a question for you about film production. Uh, do you remember how many animals were in this movie? Oh, you know, I really don't. I don't think there were. Was there any? I think there's the feral cat outside uh, her house. And then there's the rabbit in the cage when they're camping. Is or Were there any others that you can remember? Not that I can remember, but, you know, I wasn't. Why, why were you keeping track of the animals? Oh, because I'm looking at additional crew under the crew list. Because I'm trying to figure out also, like, what's the budget of this movie? Um, there were a yeah. lot of producers, which usually means that they just got a lot of their friends to pony up. But there are three people on the crew list as like animal handlers or animal safety representatives. And oh, it just well, feels like that's a lot well, of money for those two tiny animal shots. It is, but you know what? There, that's like a requirement. Anytime you have an animal on set, you have to right. have X number of people. So that's a thing. And I just wonder um, if the animal shots really really carried as much as they you know. well i don't know you never know maybe there were more animal shots and they mm. got cut so maybe um but um in any case i you <laughs> that know aside. i i liked it i thought it was great it was fun watching ellen um but you know do you have any other comments before we uh talk about what we're going to talk about next week no i I think we've said it all. This was an enjoyable film. And if you're up for something different and you haven't just listened to us spoil the entire plot, you should go and see it. So yeah, let us know what you thought of Herd. And uh, why don't you come back and watch Zombieverse with us? We're going to check out the first couple episodes of this uh, reality show from South Korea next time we get together on Reanimated. Thanks for listening. Ciao. And bye bye. Thank you.